Hi, this is Hal in Philly, and you're listening to my podcast, Tales of the Road Warriors, and welcome to it. Before I begin, I must apologize to Esra Mohawk big time for taking so long to get this episode out to the world. I really hadn't intended to sit on it for as long as I did, and I also owe an apology to all of you who had to wait so long to hear this. She is a truly unique person, and it's really a shame more people aren't aware of Esra Mohawk and her exceptional musical catalog. Esra Mohawk has had a very long and storied career. To describe her music as eclectic is a gross understatement. Her songs run the gamut from pop to avant-garde. In between, she covers a lot of bases, including rock, folk, folk rock, Motown, jazz, TV jingles, uh, songs for animated series, rhythm and blues, and beautiful heartfelt ballads about love and lust. Oh, and let's not forget politics. Esra is a political activist and sings about human rights, women's rights, and saving the planet Earth. In 1964, she released a single as Jamie Carter titled The Boy With The Way which I personally think is a really cool song. It probably could have been a hit had it received proper publicity and marketing. Uh, Actually, Ezra sounded a little peeved talking about that. I don't blame her, and it it would turn out not to be the first time her career hit a snag or a detour. Ezra was the first female member of the Mothers of Invention. In fact, she spent about a year in a relationship with Frank Zappa, who thanks to band member Ray Collins, suggested for a rock star name, Uncle Meat. When I first met Uncle Meat, she was in Philly on hiatus, and I had no idea who Frank Zappa and the, mother, uh, and the Mothers of Invention were at the time. I would shortly discover them through Philadelphia DJ Michael Tierson and eventually make the connection. But I was happy to finally talk to her again so I could tell her the story of my first Esra Mohawk encounter. At this point, I should probably apologize for hijacking the conversation, for which I was duly busted by Esra. Um, I actually edited out a lot of me interrupting her, so you'll never know how how badly I botched it. As I mentioned, her career is multifaceted. So the show notes page at talesoftheroadwarriors.com slash Esra-Mohawk includes some Esra Mohawk career highlights, discography, and links to some of the songs we talked about in this conversation. In my conversation with Esra, by the way, I barely scratched the surface of her career. So this really is just a a little slice of life in which I hopefully captured some of her essence and got a couple pretty good stories from her. Due to technical difficulties, I couldn't get the best audio, so I've just been telling you some of the things that were garbled that are included in the podcast. I did manage to capture a little about her crazy courage as a Philly girl and her propensity to stick up for others, including her mom, against bullies. The main story I was hoping to have her retell was how she was scheduled to be one of the performers at Woodstock, but her manager missed the turn, causing Esther to miss her debut on the most well-known world stage of all time. So that's, that's about it in the way of introduction. I think I'll let Ezra tell the rest in her own words and i apologize if there are parts that are a little hard to discern but uh most of it you can understand just crank it up and listen in to tales of the road warriors hi esra mohawk hello I'm, I'm doing all right. So this is what I was thinking. Um, I found a really yeah, nice definitely. bio from you on this website called Hemifran. Have you seen that? It's got yeah. like a lot about you in pretty much chronological order. So I thought I'd just like kind of go through that, and then you can just comment on okay. shit. Okay, that sounds like fun. Okay, so according to this bio on Hemifran, it's like yeah. a Swedish website that I came across. Oh, through the decades. Okay. So they say... Eclectic influences began with your parents, Anne and Henry Hurwitz, who sang and wrote 40 style standards, including Judy Garland, Nina Simone, The Coasters, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. It goes on, but 
that's my 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 influences, my old rock and roll influences. That's my parents. That's the thing, right? Just from the music they played, or did they perform as well? They did. They were not professionals. They just did it on their own. And there was one woman in Philadelphia who kind of uh, shoved her way into one of the writers and got the a publishing deal. They got no money. They didn't know anything about the business. And then when Harry James wanted to do one of their songs with his big band, and he found out the publisher was this guy, Morty Burke, in Philadelphia. He says, oh, I don't want to do anything with that guy. Eh. At which point, my parents decided the music business was crazy. and gave up. Whereas I would have thought that was encouraging. <laughs> yeah. That would have spurred me on. Things less than that spurred me on. <laughs> so we have to have a stomach for the music business. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a very strong stomach. Okay, so before your, disco- your discography begins as Sandy Hurwitz and then eventually Ezra Mohawk, you had a, a hit in 1964 as Jamie Carter with The Boy with no. the Way. No? I had a, no, I had a single. No hit. It was just a single. No promotion. They didn't even take a photo of me. And I was pretty cute when I was 15. Well, it came out when I was 16. So, But they you know, we were recording and doing everything when I was 15. So I saw it. Nobody thought to take pictures of me. Well, I'm sorry it didn't become a hit because I really like that song. What, Boys Away? Yeah. Who was that based like on your first crush or your first boyfriend in high school or something? No, just me writing a song. I wrote a bunch of songs when I was 14. I wrote songs about stuff. I filled a book with songs. I I learned to play when I was, well, whenever I sat down with somebody else's piano, I, I played. But I finally got my own piano when I was 13. And by the time I was 14, I didn't want to learn anything. I just wanted to write music. You know, I just, I guess I picked it up from my parents' writing songs. So, 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 so where did writing, you, songs. Where, yeah, but where did you find your inspiration for all these songs at such a young age? Because, I mean, you, you, you didn't just write songs, you wrote really good songs. Oh, well, thank you. Well, out of life. My parents really had a good uh, a handle on song structure. They really did. Their songs are great. It's a shame they didn't continue because that would have padded the way a lot easier for me. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, I, I had to leave my own way. <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying to make the best music always that I could and for the sake of the people that had to listen to it. I respected their time because time is a currency of life. Good philosophy. I don't want to waste anyone's time. I try to, you know, create music that's valuable, that will last through, you know, long beyond after I'm gone. Well, now, according to this, by, by 1969, you were recording your second album in L.A. and San Francisco for the, rep- the reprise label with Mo Austin, who discovered you when you were sing- singing at a club in New York. And he signed you up? Yes, Steve Paul C. Yeah, he saw, well, he could sign me up right away because I was still signed to, to, to Frank Zappa. But, uh, so he, uh, he came up to me after I, uh, he asked me to come and speak with him after I played. I was, I guess I was with Jeremy Steig, who's long gone now, great flute player. And, um, oh, I'm not sure whether, uh, it, it was Gene Crowe or, uh, Eddie Gomez. Uh, who might have been playing bass with us, and, and Donald McDonald on drums, and me playing piano and singing. So he asked me to come to reprise, and I, I said, well, I need to, I'm trying to get out of the deal right now with friends out. He says, well, I can't help you with that, but please come to us when you're free. So, and I did. And then David Geffen got in between me and reprise, but he's not who brought me there. Mo Austin. Okay, so so before the Mo Austin thing, then uh, Frank Zappa did the um, Sandy's album. Is here at last? Well, I wouldn't say he did it. I would say he undid it. Und- he undid. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. what was yeah, that like? What was it like working with Frank? I know you spent about oh, a year with him. Yeah. Oh, Elaborate goodness. on Frank um, a little bit. Oh, he was a monster. <laughs> he turned into a monster. He was like. It's like the princey kissing me, he turns into a frog. 
So he didn't so, start uh, out as a frog and become a prince. He went the other way. Yeah, yeah, I started as a person. I met Frank briefly myself when I was working as a bartender, and it was shortly before he died. Um, but I got a chance to kind of say, I had a cigarette out on the patio at Jerry's Deli with him, and we talked a little bit. Just dropped a few names, and that was it. Well, it's a shame that he, he was anti-drug, but he smoked one of the worst drugs there is, which is, of course, well, nicotine, basically. Well, sure, he died of prostate cancer, anti-cancer. Yeah. Cigarettes Actually, that's that's why I went to talk with him. I had just re- finished reading his book, The Real Frank Zappa Book, and I, he was in there with his family, and I knew he never went out of the house. So I knew he was dying soon because uh, he, he wrote about it. So yeah. I said to the other bartender, I said, let me – Give me a break. I, I, I got to run out to the patio real quick. And then I let Frank's cigarette and I talked to him about the, you know, the uh, RIAA, you know, the, what do you call it, the um, Tipper Gores thing that he was going to Congress to fight against. So, and, well, you're kind of a, you're kind of an activist yourself. As best I can, you know, um, I try to contribute. At least in my music, I write about stuff all the time. I have, I can fill books with what I do. Well, somewhere between um, your stint with Zappa and the album with Mo Austin, which was Primordial Lovers, uh, you that's when I ran into you with that fateful night at Linton's in Northeast Philadelphia. You, um, you jumped out of your chair with a ketchup bottle to defend this young black guy that was being harassed by some big white dude. I don't think you remember that, but uh, me and my friend DJ were watching this whole thing from across the room, and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. So we jumped in the stool that you had evacuated just to like, be there for backup, but they ended up, Aww. the guys ended up leaving, and then, and then that's when <laughs> you introduced yourself to us, and we were talk, talking for a little while. Yeah, I always, even in school, when they were stupid girls were, uh, you know, picking on some little girl. I got them off of her, and then, of course, they beat me up. <laughs> she ran away. I saved her, but I uh, sacrificed myself. I don't even once when some big guy and a couple girls with him, which I guess was fortunate because they kind of held him back. But I was in my mother's car. She was driving. We just parked in, in some shopping. Maybe it was uh, trying to say Corvettes or something, you know? Yeah. And uh, and uh, Northeast Philly once again. And this guy just like sang on the hood of her car like real menacingly. And I jumped out of the car, little me, and, and I said, you don't, you know, you don't do that to my mother or my mother's car. And he was like, like, what are you guys doing? He turned around. As he turned around, I kicked him full in the air. I just did a leap. <laughs> I did a leaping. I, you know, I think I had pointy boots on or something. But I did a leaping kick and kicked him in the air. He turned. He was so shocked. The two girls held him back, you know, because now my mother, you know, was old. She was never got to be too old, really. She died when she was 66. Beautiful woman. And uh, they got, the, the girls, you know, held him back. But that's why I always had, you know, I guess they call it courage, crazy courage, because I just couldn't stand to see anyone pick on anybody. I've been picked on. And I guess maybe I wished there'd be someone to step in for me. And, and since there mostly wasn't, I at least wanted to be the one to step in for somebody else, you know. Well, I only met you that one time, and my impression was this girl's got some balls. So Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I admit it, yeah. I'm a silly girl. <laughs> yep. What came next? Well, I was 73. That I was uh, working out in California with Tommy Sellers, who I'd met, uh, you know, in Philly, and uh, through him had uh, went on to when I got back. We mixed the album at Sigma in Philly that we recorded in L.A., and I think maybe we recorded some of it Philly beforehand, and that's what got us the deal with Vigoda, Johanna Vigoda. He was TV Wonders' business manager, and I had met him long before that when I was 17, and he was a New York uh, music business lawyer, a crazy man, 
for a while then. Not a very good manager, and, and he managed me for a few years, or to say mismanaged me, which is <laughs> so I've been. Anyway, I came back to Philly. We finished the album with Sigma, and through uh, Tommy's deal with Flaum Canada, or Canada and Flaum, I don't know who came with it. I guess Tommy Flaum and Harry Cannon, they had a, a, a jingle business, you know, radio. Uh, and then we moved to New York, and it was. Was it Radio of America or something? I'm starting to forget. But anyway, through doing some uh, singing or some jingles for them for radio, um, Radio Something of America, I don't know what it's called. But uh, Radio, so that's the, the, we see them that uh, uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, Schoolhouse Rock. I was listening to a little bit of that. Uh, um, yeah, that's some fun stuff there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all because I sang things like, you got to banana, that's a song Chiquita. You know, anyway, Chiquita Banana. That was you on the <laughs> Chiquita B- Banana commercial? Yeah, that's a Chiquita, that's a song Banana. That's a Chiquita, that's a song Banana. Okay, because I remember when we were in school, we used to we changed the words to uh, I'm, "I'm Chiquita Banana" and I'm here to say, if you want to get rid of your teacher today, just eat a banana, throw the peel on the floor, and watch your teacher slip out the door, down the stairs, and into the street. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. I just know the one that I sang in the street. But I got to finish it now. Down the sewer, both head and feet. Chiquita. Oh, okay. No. Sorry. Chiquita. That's <laughs> all my, uh, I have a real, uh, a cassette full of Back uh, when I was uh, 60, in the 60s, excuse me, when I first got to 69, maybe 68, right before I did Time with Your Lovers, this is a long time ago. Uh, we had a little background. Me, her, and Gail from Joe Mama took the low part in uh, Discord, where it wasn't very good. So they couldn't keep up with it. Well, yeah, I mean, you have a, like a really long and storied career, and it goes quite out of order. Like when you recorded Primordial Lovers, that was what nineteen sixty nine, but it wasn't released yeah. in two thousand. It was released in seventy. What do you know? It was released in nineteen seventy. My second album. Oh, okay, and then it was released on CD by Ryan O'Hanmate. Okay, in two thousand, I guess it was like a re-release. It's been reissued four times. So you're speaking of one of them. Right. It was also reissued by uh, Collector's Choice. I think that was in 2010. And then um, it was reissued in, uh, I think it was a Japanese reissue, I'm not sure. And then, of course, there's uh, my own reissue with a corrected album. Okay, and then 77, and, uh, it says Paul Kantner wanted you to be the lead singer in Jefferson Starship after Grace Slick dropped that. It was, they, no, I was it, yeah, 77, that's right, yeah. So 77, they, 78, maybe it was 78, I, I, it might have been 78. Whatever, yeah, it was when they got rid of her because she was right. drinking with the showing alcohol on TV. So it could have so it could have ended up being you instead of Mickey Thomas. Yeah, yeah, I was there. I heard him saying they were. They didn't want. To, it's because of Grace that they didn't want another woman. I would have been much better for that band. I would have taken them higher than they already were. I think I could so have too. written them songs. I had songs for them. They, you know, they went downhill. They lost their sound. Yeah, I no, that's very changed. interesting. Yeah, exactly. It's like a whole different band with Mickey Thomas. Not that he's bad. I think he's great. Exactly. But I think yeah, you would have you, you you taken it to another level. Band. Absolutely. She should have the Mickey Thomas. Yeah, I was surprised to read that. And then, let's see, yeah, 80 to 82. Years later, uh, one of the musicians said to me, they wish that they had taken me hmm. once they got to hear me, really hear me live. And all, now it says, 
Esra performed as a background vocalist with the Jerry Garcia band, 80 to 82. I would say it happened in 81 specifically. Oh. I don't know. Really Are these bad memories? Or? Yeah. I don't know. You don't like to talk about I mean, about it was just a gig. It was just a, it was, there was a lot of drugs involved, you know. It was all about being in the same. They lines in cocaine right before showtime. Right when we got to go on. And it wasn't for anyone who was hanging out. It was only for the band. So that I figured it was so that everyone could be in the same head with Jer. I, I actually can relate. The eighty that during that same period, I was having a bit of a problem with coke myself. I was a bartender at a rock club, and it was just always there. And that was a very dark period of my life. In retrospect, well, I think it sent me and my uh, husband at the time into a bad uh, place. You know, with with those hard drugs. You know. Rock Scully, who I love and adore, who's now dead, who was the road manager. They say he's the manager. I, I only knew he was the road manager. I didn't know he was everything. Could have been. He did everything. He was a great guy. But after the show, after we were all like, you know, probably bring out teeth from the cook. <laughs> yeah. He'd come, in, he'd come into all of each of our rooms to give us everyone to, to bring us down. When did the whole thing with so David Crosby dad, happen? I, were, he ripped off uh, Deja Vu. He so I was glad. Off. I was glad. In a way, in a way, it was a blessing to no longer be with that band. And what was the question? Was it a direct ripoff, or was he just kind of inspired by by I've been here before? Because oh, you talking about David Crosby? Yeah, yeah, with David Crosby. That was about that time too, right? Or was it was, that a, it was that? a direct ripoff. He used to make me play that song for him like three times. I'd say, come on, David, let me play. You see, he'd run into me at Steven Stills' house. At the time, we, uh, Elliot Roberts, the manager, he was going to be my manager, but none of my, I could, nothing was real because I was still signed to Frank. So uh, after I, I see, well, they must have been just trying to keep me in a situation where because I couldn't really have papers with them, they weren't liable to me to do anything for me. It's really just to hold me back. Because it turned out it was easy to get me out of the contact with Frank because I'd been a writer. There's nothing to it. It took a week when someone finally did it for me. So we'd run into each other at uh, Stevens' house, the East of the View, Torch House, and later became their home for the uh, Rolling Stone. Right. But, um, so we'd run into each other at Stevens' Stills? That was Stevens' Stills' house, yeah. And, uh, and there was a keyboard set up, and uh, he heard me play I've Been Here Before. So the next time he ran into me, Steven, he said, play that song for me. I said, well, I was going to play this song. I said, well, you know, almost a thousand now, but back then, it was a hundred. I said, let me play you something else, you know? And uh, No, no, I want to hear that one. So I played I've Been Here Before again. And, uh, and I ran into him the next time, uh, and, he, and I said, oh, come on, David. Again, he insisted that I play the song for him. So, uh, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Well, he sure, the, he sure had the opportunity. Well, exactly. Opportunity is something that's important in the law about uh, when... It, I was listening to an interview with him with Mark Maron on an old, an old episode of uh, WTF, and he was saying how much of an asshole he was back then like he pretty much copped to what he said i was i was a jerk off i was i was a dick oh yeah everyone hates him i mean graham nash or willie i said horrible things about him. <laughs> i first heard uh deja vu and of course it was real deja vu for me uh everyone said to me oh didn't you know david's a thief i'm so i wish i had known so did you file a lawsuit or just say Fuck him and just walk away. Or? Well, I was told. I was told that um, I. Well, unfortunately, I spoke to Elliot Roberts, and he was protecting David, and he was saying that he had stolen just enough to uh, keep it legal. But I never really went after him with a, a lawyer. And uh, I still want to. I still think I should. I think I think the laws eased up a little bit so that I can, you know, because I, back then I didn't understand the concept of opportunity. Right. That made a difference. It wasn't, you know, just the amount of notes. It was with the amount of words. 
Well, don't hate me because I still think David Crosby is an amazing, you know, writer and the least talented of CSN. Yes, along for the ride is what I always said. <laughs> but he had that lion's mane and that look, and they needed they didn't they needed his face for the album cover. Whatever, uh, you know, he's a low life. You're not and the, the, least you're not the first person to tell me a kind of a harrowing story about yeah. him. So no I'm inclined to believe him, you. Anyone, no one that knows him, no one know, that knows him, they know what kind of a slime ball he is. I mean, yeah, just, I think you know. even he knows that because I mean he talked about what a slime ball he 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 was back then. So I guess uh, it's yeah, safe for he, me he, to he, say uh, yeah, if he you're has right. changed if, if he's changed, then he owes me a lot of money. <laughs> well, I. I'm just a guy with a podcast working out of his basement, so I can't really do much to help there. But if, if some, by some fluke he's listening, like, David, Esra's no, coming no, after I'm you, so stand by, buddy. No, no, no. I've been studying to see who's doing that for other people that I want to use somebody's lawyer that I saw recently mm. uh, One in one of those kind of situations. I'm about to ask them if I ever have a minute <laughs> uh, to find out uh, what lawyer that person used and, and uh, see what that person says, that lawyer. So, yeah, I, I, already, I still have it in my sight. Yeah. Fair enough, but um, I think I'll leave that out so you don't want to show the guy your cards. Oh, you think David Crosby's listening to this? You never know. I want to believe him, like, eventually everybody shape. will hear this. Sunday. Maybe it'll cost him his. Maybe it'll cost him his third liver. Who knows? It's all upset. He'll <laughs> have a big long drink over it, and it'll kill him. Who knows? Oh, too funny. There should be a limit as to how many livers uh, someone can go to. <laughs> okay, so go into the Woodstock thing because you were they, almost they, 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 a sorry, performer. Sir, sorry, sir. You've had your. You've had your liver limit. Sorry, sir. Anymore, you don't get a fourth Anything. liver. Three, like three, Oliver. <laughs> three's the quota. Oh, please, huh? Yeah, quota, liver quota. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. some people would say he didn't even deserve the second one. I mean, one chance is almost people could hope for. So to have a second and third chance is like, you know, like like a cat with nine lives. Well, don't insult the cats. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't compare him to my wonderful cat. Cats yeah. are wonderful. They deserve you, nine. You sure now hold a grudge. Okay, I'll tell you what. Before it's you talk world. about Woodstock, let me let me just tell you this. I came across on on YouTube. I came across the Essie May Hawk meets the Killer Groove Band. I was listening to some of that. That that's a that's a killer album. Like that's. Thank you, my favorite. Really? Yeah. Who are my these guys? Favorite. Who's the band? Well, for one, it's uh, it's Tip Drummond. You know, he he played bass with uh, CSM and uh, a million other people, Neil Young. I was uh, looking for the personnel artist. on that album. I couldn't find it. So, so It's on it. Everything is on it. I don't know where you got it, but the one that I sell has everything. I was it just looking. Everything. I was looking at the images online, and I was looking at some of the website, but none of them were. I didn't see it listed. I guess I just. Oh, well, you should have asked for that. I could have sent that to you because um, I have. What used to be up at CB Baby, which had all of the, it should be. It's not up there at Amazon. Or, oh, I guess they don't care who the musicians are. Yeah, no, no, I could, I could, I could buy. I will buy it. I'll, you don't have to send it to me. I'll buy that. I want to own that one. Ah, unless you want to autograph a copy and send it. it to me. That's a whole other thing. That might take a while, though. Go get it. Get the album. <laughs> but yeah, I love no, that I mean, album. So, so who are the guys? Tell me who these guys are. Well, <clears throat> of course, like I was saying, Tim Drummond's on bass. We have a few, and he's dead. We have a few different uh, drummers. Uh, we just, I found Billy Block, came like the Ed Sullivan of Cowboy World. Yeah, kind of, uh, yeah. I discovered him playing in a band, and I turned Tim, you know, the bass player, onto him, and we both went up to him and asked him to play on the record. So Billy's on a lot of the tracks, and then Mark Barnett uh, is on some of them. Who else? Well, these guys from Delaware on one of the tracks. Uh, it's different than all the other tracks because there's a different bass player. Where did and, Where did you record kind of, it? It's got a great sound. Here, oh gosh, oh, uh, here in Nashville, uh, 
you know, really nice studios. Uh, let me see, Reflections. We did a few of them out uh, with uh, this guy, David Baskin. He's a bass player, but he was also an engineer. And he had this uh, system track, two-inch mobile unit that he took out to Goodlesville, uh, to the uh, Long Hollow Jamboree. And, and so we did the played the music inside and the mobile unit would recorded it from out. We weren't looking for that fat sound that you hear on that album with yeah. the sixteen track two inch. And I, so I, I caught um, my I ear guess, right um, away. That fat sound is what like me I just did, like did a double oh, take. Yeah. It just kicks off so balls to the wall. Um I like the thing with Bonnie is uh, it, it's not as as good as albums that I produce on my own. No. It just is no, because for instance I, it, it took me 25 years to record the great song that's on my new album, uh, Rolling With The Punches. Uh-huh. Well, Rolling With The Punches was, I wanted to record for that album, but the uh, producer wouldn't allow me to do any songs that he didn't write with me. So I had to write all new songs, except for the one that I wrote with Bonnie. That he, that's the only song he wasn't on. Because that's all, you know, this is a problem. With, with greedy people, instead of wanting to do the best album they can, they're thinking how much money they might get out of it. So basically, they go for the short end instead of the longer end. Typical. They don't understand that the real money lies in, in putting out something that's brilliant, partner. <laughs> you know, that, that's undeniable instead of just having to write all the songs with me. And he's, just, he's not the writer I am. No offense to him, he's a he's a great guitarist. Once again, he's a great guitarist, and then he had to be a producer, and and then uh, jumped in on publishing. And it was just like Billy Block, great drummer, and, but he had to be a, a, a Sullivan. Rain dance, that was different. That wasn't anything like the S.E. May stuff. Was was well, Chad what, was that the one albums. Chad Watson did with you on bass? Rain dance, Chad on rain dance. I don't think he went. He, to, he went to Japan with you, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Chad's not on any of my albums. I wish we could, but we're never in the same place when I'm recording. Okay, it's just a, it's in the same paragraph, so I guess that's why it's confusing. It says uh, three of her early LPs were reissued on CDs in Japan in spring of 2003, followed by her recent tours to California, the East Coast, and Japan. Esther's first album on CD, Rain Dance, was released on School Kids Records in 95, and it was reissued on Evidence February of 2005. Well, it was really stupid, because I already reissued it on... Well, I'd already sold all the ones I was going to sell to whatever amount of... Anyway, uh, it's a cool song uh, and a cool whatever video. Handful, like whatever handful of... Whatever handful of fans... You know, I had I'd already bought their copy. Maybe you don't have yours, but most people do. <laughs> they don't have but, mine. You know, well, you should get Rain Dance. It's, it's really, uh, I love Rain It's great album. So, uh, especially the song Rain Dance, I love it. I have a wonderful story about performing. When I first moved here, and I within six months, I had an out deal. But it was out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Never anything out of this town. In, but not out. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I already had a Lori Morgan cut before I moved here. And, uh, my brother just brought me a little bit of his hoagie so I can have something to eat. You got a hoagie there in Nashville? Where'd... Well, it's from the supermarket, you know. Yeah. The supermarket hoagie. Do they call them hoagies there or they call them submarines or something else? So they call them subs. I'll make my own hoagies. I have. I bought some hoagie rolls. I, I made some wonderful seafood salad. I can't wait to eat it. This is just to hold me over while I'm if you don't mind me taking a bite here and there while I'm on the phone so I don't die. Oh, yeah, sure. That ought to make this conversation interesting. <laughs> if I dropped in right in the middle of it. Oh, man. I'm dying of starvation. Ah! So I'll finally get to tell, tell me the whole Woodstock uh, saga, and you'll be chewing all through it. Well, the Woodstock saga, where are we up to? We didn't finish Schoolhouse Rock. We didn't finish Woodstock. We didn't finish whatever we were just talking about. We didn't finish, maybe we finished David Crosby, the thief. We were talking about Billy Block, because nobody knows, but we know him. Um, 
Yeah, but I probably won't leave in the stuff about Billy. Oh, Bob, that's, that's right. You wanted, to, you wanted to. Yeah, you were asking me who played on the album. Yeah, that he loves that you're going to buy. Yeah, that's he may want. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Johnny Neal, who's from uh, was he from Baltimore? I believe. Uh, he's he yeah, like the the guys that played on uh, End Time Blues, uh, but he played on a lot of stuff uh, on the album. And he's also on the cut uh, on the new album. It's an old cut. It's one of the I put a few old cuts, three old cuts on there. Did you and, ever play uh, with any of the guys from Tower of Power or Hollywood Rock and Roll Review? Yeah, yeah, I played uh, softball with them on Sundays. No, but I mean, you, did you play any? That's did, what that, I did. No, no, just softball. I won the game. I got to. I got to. Uh, the winning home run. I mean, it was it was a you know everybody had to run around the bases, but the bases were loaded, <laughs> and I got the winning. Yeah. So, but not music, uh, just softball. <laughs> yeah, I played softball. I also played uh, softball on Sundays with the Monkeys back in '67 when I stayed at Peter Torch's house. About that, I love Peter. Great guy, wonderful man, sweetheart, and uh, Fuzzy Winhart. Who I met sixty seven on Duker Street with the transfers. He just passed away in February. Yeah, Did Buzzy yeah. play on your on, on any of your uh, no, cuts? No, 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 just live. Live. We do some stuff live. But no no unless somebody recorded it. I don't know. We got to happen. That's my friends you did. So what did I not let you finish talking about? Finish talking about Everything. Uh, Everything. Well, I know I jump around <laughs> a lot because I, I, I you you've had there, there's so much ground to cover with you, Esther. There's no way I could like I know, get the entire much. story like on. Part, part one and a part two or something like that. Yeah, like <laughs> I could pick one year out of your life and you could go on for an hour about it. So like you know, it's true. It's very true. Football. So I, that's why I have to kind of like. Years, if I can remember. That's why I have to narrow it down to that Woodstock story because at least if I get that in whole, I've got something well solid. You know, I was uh, we were in on the whole concept of it from the beginning. Uh, it was it, it was Michael Wang's concept, idea, dream, and we all meet and true Hector Morales. Uh, all of us uh, were friends together, encouraging Michael to do it, do it, do it. Yeah, man, sounds great. Do it. So he did it. Uh, Hector helped. He was an agent with uh, William Morris, and uh, he brought in some of the bigger names, was it maybe uh, Sly or something. He brought, and that attracted more. And because of Hector, Michael was able to create the the roster. You know, uh, of all those artists, you know, one attracted another. Yeah. And uh, so well, here we are. Finally, it's happening. We're on our way. And the land thing is settled, and it's not going to happen. It is going to happen. It's happening. So we're following Michael's car. Me and Teddy are following Hector. And Michael. Now, when were you scheduled to play? Like the first on, day. On the first day. Friday. Friday. So uh, somehow a car or two got in between us and Michael's car, and so when Michael turned off towards the heliport, Michael and Hector. We went straight. We missed the turn. We didn't see the turn. And, you know, back then there were no cell phones. Nothing much you could do about it. We're stuck driving in the long way with the masses. By the time we got there, it was dark. It was the end of the night. It was the end of the show. The last artist for that evening was uh, Joan Baez. She was singing what we realized when it was too late, was the last song of the last set of the night. So we're out of the car. We're running. I'm trying not to get mud on me. There's mud everywhere. And yeah, I'm good luck with that at Woodstock. I, oh, I, 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 I think I walked without touching the ground, or I flew. I flew. I hovered. I hovered. <laughs> I looked around. There were people getting in the... Um, sleeping bags right in the parking lot and I said oh my god someone's going to get run over because of all the mud no one will be able to tell you you know yeah and you know somebody somebody did yeah, somebody got killed in the park, some, yeah you probably were looking some, right at the guy that that it was that was probably him yeah 
Yeah, that was probably the one. But anyway, uh, off we go towards the, the stage, which is still all lit up with uh, Joe Baez singing. And we're running and running and running. And before we get even halfway there, the, you know, it's like maybe like a football field away. <laughs> or maybe, I don't know. I'm guessing it could be less. But uh, we're, we're running and, and um, all of a sudden she finishes the song. The crowd, the crowd roars. The lights go out. And that was it for the night. I said, I said the lights went out on my career at that the, point. The crowd roars, and Ezra yawns. I didn't yawn. Believe me, I was certainly not tired at all. I was, uh, what, 1969, 21 yeah, yeah. years old. Why would I be tired at 21? Why would I be yawning? Did you stay the other two days and just, you know, kick around, smoke some weed, and drop some orange sunshine? Unfortunately, I stayed until uh, Saturday, uh, Early evening Saturday, I left on a helicopter with, uh, I forget, I think it was just Graham Nash was in there. Maybe David was in there. You were still talking at that point? I don't remember. I don't think it could have been David after the other thing happened. That hadn't happened yet. Uh, I was going to say maybe. That hadn't happened yet. That hadn't hadn't happened yet. Okay, so that, that whole incident happened after Woodstock. Yeah, sure. Because uh, my album hadn't even been released yet. Anyway, they were saying uh, I'd recorded it. Was well, no, I actually was about to record it. I recorded it October, November, and the, and the thing was in August. But right. um, so it would have come out. Anyway, they, I remember. I just remember the con- part of the conversation was they all thought that I would be a good match for Stephen Stills, but that never did happen. A good match, what, like as a girlfriend or, or as a as a co-writer? Yeah, yeah. No, they were, as a woman, no one looks at you like who you are. They only see you as a girlfriend for somebody. Or, you know, there's, there's, they're limited. They're stupid. They're men, pardon me. Neanderthals. They're, they're only, yeah, they're only half, they're only one syllable or two. <laughs> All men are pigs, and they grunt like Ted. What, what's his name? What's that comic? Oh, my to... partner! My partner was a wonderful person like, uh, who lived with me here. Jim, he's my prime example. He's he's my example of that that can be good. <laughs> so, do you have a favorite album or a favorite song, or or are you of the all my songs are my children, and I don't have a favorite? I have too many favorites. They're not all my favorites. I have a song I really love called I'd Risk My Life. I think I'll put it out on my Demolicious album. Oh, so it's not out on any album yet? No, no. My favorite songs are usually the ones that aren't out yet. But that's an old song. I think I wrote it with uh, David Young, who was in Air Supply, something like that. I have a couple great songs with him. It's called I'll Risk My Life? I'd Risk My Life. I'd risk yeah. my life. Okay. I, it's really applicable now because I wrote it during, um, I guess, when AIDS was a problem. It's like these days, whenever we make love, we risk our lives. Is it any wonder we spend so much time alone? That's some heavy stuff there. No, okay, so, well, it's something to look forward is. to then on the on the Demolicious album. Do you keep your website up to date? Like if you go to um, EzraMohawk.com or... I don't have a website. Really? So how do people yeah. like to, if people want to like see what you're doing, is there any place that they could go online or no? Facebook. Estramohawk Music. On Facebook. That's, that's all. Go to Facebook and punch in Estramohawk uh, Music. Thank there you. will be a show notes page for the Estramohawk, so I'll put links to anything you want me to. Well, I think the, right now the most important link, and we really should talk about it, is is uh, suffrage or suffrage? I just put it up on my site, so you can grab it from from there. I have it at both Esmerhog and Esmerhog Music because right now this is the week, this is the month, this is a hundred years since women ha- got the right to vote. It's very important for women to vote. That's the one to use because I I went to all the ones that were offered, and that's the one that had the best sound and the least ads. There's also a thing I did uh, for the gay movement, 
there was this guy who produced it, uh, uh, animated, well, cartoons uh, using Schoolhouse Rock songs, but doing parodies of them. So instead of uh, suffrage or suffrage, it was something about straight or something, whatever. It's, it, it's up there. If you go to YouTube and look for this one, that one will also pop up, so you'll get to see it. The, the producer's name was uh, David Sheeve, S-C-H-E-V-E, Sheeve. At this moment, I was playing around with the mouse and accidentally clicked on a YouTube video, and I didn't think Esra heard it, but she did. And this part of the conversation follows. Uh, you couldn't hear that, but the, the video just started playing in my earphones really loud. That's Star Stuff. That's one of my favorite songs, too. Oh, you heard it? You How come you have, it? Yeah, I can hear it. How come you have Star Stuff? I don't know. Do you see the you, you have it the just, YouTube? Uh, the, that's one of the ones that... See, Joey Mo did a bunch of wonderful uh, videos of my songs. And uh, one of them was Star Stuff. And it's, it's a great one. Check it out. Put it up. Oh, well, Star Stuff. It sounded great, but I, you know... but. Yeah, it tells my story. So there's still some news left for me to catch. I think I might do that if we can continue this any other time. But i got to eat. I'm staring at this hoagie dying to eat. Well, I'm going to let you go. And uh, I'm going to try to make a podcast out of this. And we could do a part two another time. But uh, I'll call you in between anyway. I'll call you just to talk. Yeah, if you, if you think there isn't enough, I think it's, it's, it's kind of important to let people... Uh, know that I have a new album that came out last August. I mean, that's pretty new. They're selling it right now on this August 2nd, and that, of course, is when I put it out because that was the day that my partner, uh, Jim Hinchliffe, passed away uh, 12 years ago. Oh, At that yeah. point, it was uh, he passed away in 2008. So I'll ask you, out his youngest son, birthday, the same day as when he died, August 2nd. His son Dane. Now he has, and then Jim now has a grandson. Of course, he'll never see. Well, maybe you can see him. I don't know. We'll see him from above. What's the name of that album? Yeah. Is this what August, August twenty nineteen? It's uh the one and only Esther Mohawk. Oh, that's yeah. I was listening to that. That's a great album. Thank you. It's on. Thank it's you. on Pandora, I think. Yeah, all my stuff is on Pandora. Spotify and Amazon, anywhere that serves up music, you just put my name in the search. That's for Mohawk, E-S-S-R-A, Mohawk like the Indian, and it'll come up. Uh, all my music will come up. It's on that particular uh, platform or whatever. All right. I'll pass, I'll pass that on to anybody who's okay, listening. Cool. So you can go eat your hoagie now and, and know that oh, boy. people are now aware of the one and only Esra Mohawk. Yeah, well, there's more to come, more to come. I can't wait to record this next album. Believe me, I'm excited about it. I just, I could move forward now because I just, I couldn't find, I had all my uh, lyrics and everything lined up exactly what I wanted to do, and I couldn't find it. I was still living out. I finally found it, and I have everything in a place that I'll never lose it now. So I can move forward now with my music. I have to have all my paperwork to be able to move yeah, forward. Cool, huh? I'm glad you got your ducks yeah. in a row now, and you got a new car oh, to yeah. tool around in, so that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it died yesterday already. I had to call. <laughs> that didn't take long. I had to, but by then, all the stores were closed, so we couldn't get our provisions till today. And that's why I said, oh, call me an hour later, so I had time to shop. I should have called but you two hours later so you could have your hoagie, but I'm going to let you have it yeah. now. Yeah. Well, this is good. We can finish it later if you want to do more. You know, let's just see what you got. See yeah, if you need I'm sure more I got plenty, but I'm sure I got plenty. But I'll always be happy to, to do another one anyway. Especially, you know, okay. we'll wait till well, you're out, for you. wait till the new album's done and you have something to you know, oh, something yeah. new to yeah. promote. Well, I'm here. There is a new thing coming out, but it's an old thing that's coming out, and that's uh, the song "Silver Ships" that was on the Etern album. I wrote it with uh, with with Ronnie James Distasio. And, and Ronnie ships. passed away recently. But before he passed away, he knew about the song, so that was cool. He got paid for it, and that was even cool. And so it's still coming out. I'm working on the uh, image 
it said only be digital. It will only be digital. It already is digital, but there's only a different push behind it. We'll see how it goes. The Silver Ships, is, is it just a single song that you're just going to put out? Yes, kind of like, yes, uh, yes. A single. It is like a, single. a standalone thing? An, an island unto itself? I suppose. I, I, I'll know more soon. I'll check in with you when I know more. Okay. Okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks then. a lot, Ezra. Oh, hey. My pleasure. Thank you, Al. I hope I've provided some entertainment for your listeners. Yeah. Oh, you definitely have. Thanks. Bye. Cool. Cool. Well, you're a cool guy. We'll talk again real soon, okay? Okay. Thank you, Steve. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Ezra Mohawk. She was a pleasure to talk to. She's a very unpredictable conversationalist, which is one of the things I like most about talking with her. If you if you enjoyed this, please check out some of, some of my past episodes. Just go to uh, talesoftheroadwarriors.com and click on the link that says archives. Go to the archives page and just scroll down and check out some of the other people I talked to, like uh, uh, Ben Vaughn, Ken Queter, Lisa Nemso, uh, Jay David from Doctor Hook Medicine Show. Uh, there's there's some there's some pretty cool conversations that I've had that uh, you need to check into. Uh, got some great tales of the road warriors there, and all you have to do to find them is go to talesoftheroadwarriors.com. That's it. Don't forget there's an S on warriors. If you go to tales of the warrior, then you might end up with uh, the Road Warrior starring Mel Gibson. So that's not the same thing. It's Warriors with an S. Tales of the Road Warriors.com. And uh, I have to say it a lot so that it like gets embedded in your mind so you don't forget. Sign up for the mailing list. I got a newsletter that's due so I could tell you about more stuff coming up. For instance, I spoke with uh, Smokey Miles, uh, also known as Count Smokula. Uh, Michael Winslow, and others. So stay in the loop and find out what's coming up on Tales of the Road Warriors. Also, my other podcast um, called It's Easy When You Know How. One other thing, I have a YouTube video called Wigging Out. Me and my friend Renee, who I met online while she was doing research for Peter Tork, uh, she listened to my tribute to Peter Tork episode, and got in touch with me, and we've been in contact ever since. She's an actress, and she likes to do a lot of improv, which I enjoy too. So the two of us started doing improv over Skype. And so we've been putting those up on the YouTube channel. So um, sign up for the newsletter so you can find out how to find all this stuff, because I'm not going to try to describe it here. All right, I think I've talked enough. I'm going for a drive. 